0: Hi there and welcome along to On The Whistle. We are Africa's biggest bride. We're here to talk football on and off the field. I'm your host, Nabi, and joining me is my fellow co-host, Alistair Howarth. Alistair, how are you doing?
1: Then I'm doing well. Uh, you know, World Cup has finally arrived. <laughs> We've been doing preview pods. I've, I've read every magazine's preview. <laughs> And finally, we're here. It's about time. It's a weird World Cup. We're in the middle of winter. There's no Absolutely. outdoor fan park for me to be drinking a pint in. And then, <laughs> I'm, I'm indoors. I'm keeping warm. But it's I'm just glad it started. I'm glad we kicked off.
0: It's funny. It's normally we have Christmas in June and July with the World Cup, and now we literally have Christmas mm-hmm. and we have a World Cup.
1: But well, I was I saw today I was do- doing some shopping and I saw the Christmas trees were out uh to to be sold in the shop and i kind of was like maybe i should have put up my christmas tree before the world cup that (laughs) feels that feels like the festive season has started now that now that the world cup's kicked off
0: it's it's, it's unbelievable three weeks ago they were selling mince pies in london my house already has some decorations Mm -hmm. over the fireplace and a wreath outside (laughs) my wife's american we still have to hit thanksgiving but we've already started the Christmas season in the Nabi household. As well, far listen, <laughs> we, we, we got to get into this pod. There's so much to talk about. We're going to start off with Senegal, who I believe are the team that I expect to go the furthest of um, the African teams at the World Cup. We will cast our lens a little wider, and we'll look at the favourites. And, of course, Alistair, you and I got to do a hot take on Gianni Infantino's opening press conference, where he said he was African, Qatari... Gay and a whole bunch of other things. I'm sure you and I both have interesting perspectives on that one. But to kick us all off, let us start with Senegal, the African champions, the team that knocked out Mohamed Salah's Egypt to make it to the World Cup. Um, they are in a group with Ecuador, Qatar, and the Netherlands. Um, let's let's looking at the opening game, which has just taken place. Ecuador looking really good with a 2 0 win over Qatar, who I think we'll both agree left a lot more to be desired. Let's start with the question this way. We are in a World Cup. We already, we will not be seeing Karim Benzema. We will not be seeing Pogba. We will not be seeing Kante. We will not be seeing Haaland because Norway did not qualify. And now, one of the game's biggest names, Mane, is not coming to this competition. So it's a major loss for Qatar 2022. And of course, everyone will be asking, how can the Senegalese team play without their talisman without their leader without their legend
1: i think i think this is an interesting question because oftentimes you talk about you know these really good teams that are based around a superstar you know i think of brazil based around you know uh neymar argentina based around messi and you know portugal based around ronaldo and oftentimes there's this idea that you know they're amazing individuals but sometimes they actually can hamper the team because everyone has to play through them and I think Senegal is the exact opposite. You know, Senegal have a really good, strong defensive unit, excellent kind of defense led by Edward Mendy and goal, Kalidou Koulibaly, Abdou Diallo, center-back pairing, which is just fantastic. And a really good defensive outfit with Idrissa Gay in that midfield, sometimes Kuyate, sometimes Saar, you know, whoever it is. But everything going forward comes through Sadio Mane. Everything goes through, you know, I was reading that, you know, they, they've scored 17 goals in 13 games this this calendar year. Decent return, not amazing, but not not bad. Ten of those Sadio Mane has been directly involved in. And you've got to remember the kind of goals he scored. You know, he scored that, pen, that last-minute penalty in, in the group stage. And their only goal in the group stage, may I remind you, at the AFCON, they only scored one in the group stage, and that was him. Scored another, I think, in the quarterfinals. And then in the final, he scored the winning penalty. He did the exact same at the World Cup qualifier, you cannot underestimate how important Sadio is to this team. And, you know, I was speaking to a a Senegalese journalist earlier today and kind of getting her take on it. And she told me that when, when the news broke that actually his World Cup was over, she got a phone call from someone in the market in Dakar. And he said, everyone has stopped working we 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 just don't have the energy to work. And in fact, he said, we, what we need is we need the president, Pakistan, to, to come on and give a presidential address to the nation to tell them that we can keep going without Mane. That's how big Sadio Mane's impact is on this country, that these guys want their president to come out and give an announcement to the whole nation that they can keep going forward because everything is built around Mane. You know, going into this World Cup, this was Senegal's World Cup. You know, this was the time when, you know, when you speak to anyone from Senegal or connected with Senegalese football, they have one thing in their mind that's the semifinals. You know, we, they've seen themselves and other African countries get to the quarterfinals and they've, and they all have said, look, you know, even winning it, we know we're not being too ambitious. We're not saying we want semifinals. We have to become the first African team. This has been our year. This has been our time. And now we want to get that. But with Sadio Mane not there anymore, suddenly that, that path looks a lot more difficult when at one point I was saying, you know, actually semifinals is very achievable.
0: I think we all felt that in this group. When you look at it, um, Cats are all the host nation, do have home fans behind them, but they're beatable. And you'd have to say the same for Ecuador. Then it's all dependent on who they get from the round of 16 onwards. And Senegal is a team with BMT, winners everywhere, and they can knock teams out. And that's why... I think we all had belief they could make a deep run in this competition. Now, with Mane out, there's been obviously an outpouring of love and condolences. Um, His um, Liverpool team, former teammate and, of course, um, Netherlands player Virgil van Dijk saying what a loss this was for the tournament. And Alou the manager of Senegal, saying that the football family has been saddened by Mane not coming to this competition. So they're mourning him in the markets, they're mourning him in Qatar, and they're mourning him in podcasts like you and I. Um, the man is still alive. We know he will bounce back and be bigger and better and bolder and than, than, stronger than than ever. But let's rewind a little bit with the Senegal team. At the start of this year, somebody like Sise, who I think is um, loved in the international media, we have to rewind and remember, Alistair, that this was a man going into the AFCON where a lot of fans and pundits in Senegal were questioning whether he was the right man to lead this team. And in fact, the feeling was he should probably be replaced ahead of any World Cup qualifiers. Do you want to just remind people of the precarious position uh, Cissé was in at the start of the year?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's easy to forget because it seems like it's been such a magical year for Senegal, but he was on the verge of being sacked, you know, even if they got to the final of the AFCON, he would have been out the door if they didn't win it. And it's because there is this sense that Senegal have had one of the strongest generations of African footballers. Ever, period, you know, to rival some of these great nations, you know, the Egyptian, the Ivorian teams of the past, the Ghanaian teams of the past, you know, this was a team that could hold themselves amongst these kind of teams, but they lacked that, that trademark, they lacked the AFCON that, you know, that Egyptian team went on to win so many of they they lacked that that world cup performances that both senegal cameroon ghana had all put together and so there was this sense that with ali ucc and we and you know this is always a debate in international coach international management and football is you know the reality is football needs to be practical and ali ucc is a very practical manager very very you know he's not one who's got this senegal team playing brilliant attacking football it is defensive it is you know getting the results first you know like we said that you know in the group stage of the AFCON you know two nil nil draws and a one nil win you know but that 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 does the trick they top the group and and so that's been his reputation but like always if you're playing a style of football that isn't exciting when you have exciting players and you don't get the results then the question marks come and and we've seen that across you know across the world with managers both at club and international level and so the fact that there was a sense that you know the 2018 performance where senegal probably had the most unlucky and harshest knockout of any tournament in the history of the world cup just a quick reminder they they were in a group with colombia japan and poland and they came Level on points with Japan, level on goals scored, level on goals conceded, same head-to-head record, and it went down to fair play rules. And because Senegal had more yellow cards, they got knocked out. An absolute I mean, travesty. This has got
0: to be unfinished business for this team, right?
1: Absolutely, and that—that that was the sense—is that they—they they did that at the World Cup. They didn't get it out of the group of a world of a group that actually going into it, Senegal would have thought that they could actually top it. You know, not a great colombia pull inside. And the same could be said about Japan, solid side, but nothing spectacular. Then they follow it up by going to the AFCON final, losing to Algeria. But even there, there was a sense that they were second best, you know, because Algeria didn't just beat them in the final, but they also beat them in the group stage. We've we, we got to remember Algeria beat Senegal twice. They were in a group with my mighty Kenyan boys um, who who got trounced by both of them. Um, But so there's been this sense that Senegal actually haven't fulfilled their potential. You know, they've had this amazing cycle of players headed by Mane, um and and the and the others but they haven't achieved the success and so there was that pressure on ali Ucisse, but he stuck to his guns he stayed with his same defensive style of football they ground out results and they won the afcon now they weren't the most exciting team of the afcon we can say that for sure they they didn't score nearly as many goals as as some of the other teams but they were solid they were strong and they got the result and then they did it again in, in the World Cup qualifiers, again, in the least glamorous style possible, kind of absolutely shit housing their way past Egypt with all the lasers pointing in every Egyptian penalty taker's face. <laughs> and so now there's a sense that actually to justify this, they have to do one better in the World Cup. That's where the unfinished business is. They've they've conquered their demons at AFCON. And now it's time to conquer their demons at, at the World Cup. And, you know, again, for Ali Yusisei, if they don't get out of this group, I think that'll be it for him. That
0: pressure is still there. Well, when you look at the team, there's no Mane, but we still have Koulibaly, we still have Mendy, certainly rocks in defence, um, and talent all over the field with the likes of uh, Dieng, Kouyate. Um, when you run your rule through this team, I mean, how far do you think they can go? I know we've spoken about the knockout rounds, um, but how will they take shape? Is it going to be that defensive-based Cisse football, which you've spoken to earlier? Um, that will become the bedrock of this team before they sort of grind out wins and and move to the knockout rounds. Is that a realistic expectation?
1: I, I think it's easy to look at look at the loss of money and look at his output and say, okay, you know Senegal are done. You know this. There's an Ecuadorian team with a proper goal scorer in Enter Valencia that as we've seen, you know there's a very very good Dutch side that you know doesn't have the sparkling names of the past but are really well put together by Louis van Gaal. But again, you know, it's so tempting as fans and pundits to to look at the teams and say, oh, this is the exciting team, this is the better team. But you have to, in tournaments, look at A, you know, tournament experience, the teams that know how to do it, but also, and, you know, this can't be kind of reiterated enough, to go far in tournaments, you have to keep clean sheets. You have to be a good defensive team. You don't see teams blowing away teams, winning the World Cup. It's, you know, even 2018, we saw at France, incredibly defensive team, win the world cup despite having one of the most exciting lineups in 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 the world you know i would say in recent memory the only two teams that have played exciting football have won their their tournaments have been maybe italy and algeria at at the afcon and euros respectively in in 2019 and 2021 and so i think we have to say that senegal aren't aren't out of it they have such a good defense they could easily keep three clean sheets in this group And, and you have to say you know, Mane is the center of everything, but they still have some really exciting players. You know, I think of like Crepin Diata coming through at Monaco, such an exciting player. You know, Pape Mate Sar hasn't really played that much for Spurs because of injuries, because he's not really been in favor with Conte, but he has shown in, in Ligue 1 that he has the talent, um, you know, and so they have the players there, like you mentioned, Bamba Jiang, you know, Ismail Sar is another one who, you know, playing for Watford, yes, a championship club, but he's shown time and time again that, he actually is good enough to be mixing it with the very best. Um, and so I think the question is not can they get past this group, can they qualify? Because I think they have it within their power, but it's all how they react to this money. You know, we've seen teams in the past pull together when, when, when their biggest player gets injured, like Portugal in 2016 when Ronaldo got injured. And we've seen the, the opposite, you know, Brazil 2014 when Neymar and Thiago Silva got injured and, and suspended, that was it, they crumbled. Now, I think Senegal have a much stronger spine, like you said, a much stronger kind of sense and ethos. And that comes from like you say, always calm. You know, he's always the most measured man on the pitch. You know, most managers, you see them getting excited, but him, even when they get to penalties, you know, you wouldn't even know what's happened at the game because he doesn't he doesn't move. And I think that's so important. And so I think for Senegal, it is gonna be hard. Like there's nothing that can be said to, to dispel that, how important Mane was for this team. But I think in terms of getting through this group, getting to the last 16, at the very least, that, that still needs to be their target and they should be able to do it.
0: Alistair, let's cast the lens a little wider. We know that there's Senegal, there's Ghana, there's Cameroon, there's Morocco, there's Tunisia, all our five representatives at the World Cup. Who of the African teams do you think can go the deepest and represent the continent with pride? Samuel Ito has predicted already that we will see a Tunisia Cameroon final it's also worth noting that he is a Qatar 2022 ambassador so perhaps that's in his interest an African team rising North African Arab nation doing well <laughs> um but go on who do you think of the of, of, the, of the of the not South Africans
1: not, <laughs> not, African definitely team. not the
0: South Africans <laughs> or the Southern Africans um, um who do you think will go the furthest and why
1: I, I I think this is an interesting question. We have to be honest with ourselves. This is not a vintage group of African teams coming to the World Cup. I think we have to be straight. And, you know, the immediate thing that you can look to for that is say, of the five of them, four of them have changed their managers since the AFCON. You know, that's not a good look, you know, and there might be good reasons there might, you know, for those switches, but it shows that these aren't teams coming at the peak of their cycles, uh, aside from Senegal. Um, and and I think particularly aside from Senegal, because of their higher ranking in the FIFA rankings and the seeding system, they've got a much gen- more generous draw in the group. You know, the, you know their first seed team is Qatar, uh, whereas you know, you see Tunisia in the group of France and Denmark, an excellent Denmark team, Ghana with Portugal, Uruguay. Um, and so I think I think a lot of the African teams are going to struggle. I have to be honest, you know, I want them to do well, but I think they're going to struggle. I think the one for me that is gonna is gonna pull ahead you know, maybe even further in Senegal, and I think we need to keep an eye out as Morocco. I think, you know, despite changing manager, more recent than any of the others, they have the stability that none of these other association federations have, uh, except for Senegal, you know, they have so much investment in the federation, they play more friendlies than just about anyone else, their preparation is immaculate. Um, and I think also is they've you look at the type of coach they brought in, you know, Ghana, they bring in Otto Addo. We're not even sure if Otto Addo has been paid by the GFA yet. You know, he's on a part-time basis coaching this Ghana side. You look at, you know, Rigabar Song, the coolest man in football, but he has no top level managerial experience. And, you know, there's question marks over that, you know, same with Tunisia. Kadri, he's, he's managed, he, you know, he's done very well for managing some lower kind of tier Tunisian clubs, but not at the top level. Um, and, and, and I would say, Morocco, on the other hand, we've seen Walid Ragagi's superb performance coaching with that. You know, he took them to the CAF Champions League final and won it against our good friend, Pizzo Mosimane. And I think with Pizzo no longer on the continent, I would be confident in saying Walid is the best manager in Africa right now. You know, I don't think there's another that's on his level. And so I think that they have that continuity in terms of the federation, and they have a coach who's been brought in for for positive reasons rather than negatives right so they didn't get rid of valid Hale- fahid because he you know didn't qualify for the world cup or he didn't do well in the afcon it's because they knew they had something better in regragui who could bring in ziech could bring in mezraoui and so i think morocco even though they're with you know croatia and belgium two very very good teams i think croatia are you know probably have the best midfield at the world cup but they don't have a good goal scorer you know belgium an aging team with a very slow defense and you know I see that this Moroccan team very well drilled very well organized and they have that star power especially with Ziyech coming back Hakimi you know I watched their friendly against Georgia you know Georgia aren't a stellar team at the moment but they beat them 3-0 and they were they looked excellent you know so I think I think Morocco for me with with Mane injured for Senegal I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past Morocco as being the side that gets to the
0: quarterfinals there we go. You heard it here first. Morocco to shine for the continent. Ali, you'd be remiss of me now not to cast the lens fully.
1: <laughs> Even wider.
0: <laughs> um, as wide as we can possibly go. Give us your predictions for the final. Which teams do you think will rise and when? I like to look at this Brazilian team. Let me go first. I think with the likes of Neymar, Vinicius, you look at the back with um with Edison, with Allison, with Thiago Silva. I mean, this team has got talent strewn front-to-back, um, Casemiro in the midfield. I just think that it's going to take some stopping. I know that Grace Note, who are an um, organization that look at the statistics, have predicted Brazil and Argentina to play in the final with Brazil to win. That would be fantastic if we saw that, Neymar versus Messi. Um, and I just I, I have to go with them. They're number one in the FIFA World Rankings. Um, And I know I picked them to win the last World Cup in Russia where similar types of studies went out before the tournament and then France did what France did with their amazing squad and won. But it's hard for me to look past Brazil winning it. How about you?
1: I think, look, on paper, it's so hard to look past Brazil and Argentina, like particularly Brazil. I think they are, yeah, you just go through their team. It's just unbelievable player after unbelievable player. You know, and it feels like the strongest Brazilian team in probably 20 years, I would say since 2002, when we had that phenomenal team that went on to win it. Um, You know, you just think of the players they have, you know, Neymar, Vinicius, you know, even, even players who, you know, we might not think are stellar in terms of like Richarlison plays brilliantly for the, for the Salazar. I think, and then Argentina is, is the flip. You know, this is not a vintage Argentina team in terms of the players they have, but it's such a functional team. And, you know, this is something that has to be repeated time and time again. This is not club football. We're not here for flair. We're not here for great attacking patterns or, you know, well-coached teams. We're here for functional teams and Argentina are functional and they get the best out of Leo Messi. You know, the you know, in my opinion, the greatest of all time. Um, but the, the big question I have with these two teams is how... Ha- is that they've been on these amazing runs of form, they look incredible, but they haven't played the biggest European teams uh, in friendlies, in competitive matches. And, you know, we have to be honest, even if Argentina and Brazil have the two best teams, Europe is still where where the, the majority of the, of the big football is played. And so I think for me, that's the real question, is will they be tested? And, you know, Brazil will play Serbia and Switzerland in their group. So they're playing good teams, but not, not super heavyweights. Whereas Argentina is, you know, they they have a similar thing where they're playing Saudi Arabia and Mexico and Poland, you know, decent teams, probably with the exception of Saudi Arabia, but not teams that are going to test them. So I think for me, I, I think one of them will be in the final 100%. But I do think a European team is going to I think I wouldn't be surprised to see a team like Spain who, you know, might step it up. Um, as well as I you know, I feel like the easy answer is France, but I'm so scared to say France because either they're gonna win it or they're gonna be knocked out in the group stage. You know, this France we're talking about, and they, their their buildup has looked like more like a France going out of the group stage than one winning it. Um i I, I don't see I, I I don't see Brazil, Argentina winning it. I want them to because I want a South American team too, if an African team can't. But I think they're gonna fall um in perhaps I think the final. Uh, it'll be them up against one of one of the European teams. I think maybe France or Spain.
0: There we go. You heard it second here, first from um, from Alister um, and Ali. I think before we go, and again, this has been such a great podcast to talk about Senegal, who we hope do well, get our opinions, and of course how we see the final two shaping up. But the start of this World Cup is one, and this really this World Cup cycle has been one of a lot of criticism. Level towards Qatar, um, particularly around um, human rights. Um, and, uh, you know, when you boil it down uh, to migrant labor, women's rights, LGBTQ, um, and of course, what the Western world would see their freedoms uh, not being enshrined in a Muslim country. Um, again, um, even in the build up this week, we had Budweiser being told that they would not be allowed to sell alcohol. In stadiums, yes, alcohol be allowed in certain venues, but the Qatari uh, government and royal family making a decision 48 hours before kickoff that this would not happen. Again, a surprise given Qatar won this uh, right to host um, over a decade ago. And on Saturday, we had the president of FIFA, Gianni Infantino, deliver a speech where I think he said he was virtually everything. He was gay. He was a migrant worker. He was African. Um, He spoke about uh, being the son of migrants in Italy, being bullied because of his red hair and freckles. Um, And I'll start off by saying when I listened to his speech, and I know this is matching a lot of the analysis and reaction out there, but it was a very, very strange speech to give. Um, And I think very confusing and insulting to the groups he had mentioned. I think he also mentioned he was disabled. Um, And it almost got me thinking, was he talking to the public? Was he talking to the media? Or was he talking to national association presidents who perhaps this message resonates with? I guess we don't know because that ultimately is his base, who will or will not elect him. But I found the speech crass and I have to say that if he wants to make the point of European double standards, because he said European Europe should apologize for the 3,000 years before for what they've done. Again, that's all well and good. But let me give you this analogy, being a South African. Apartheid set our country up for failure. But that does not justify corruption from modern-day politicians, captains of business, and everyday people. We are still okay to call that out. Just like we are okay to call that out with FIFA, or countries that have issues with human rights. No one is saying they shouldn't host. No one is saying they shouldn't have the chance to host. No one is saying we should not respect a country's rule of law, but we have to allow the conversation to happen and we have to allow the criticism to happen. And if these countries want to host events, whether that's in the West, whether that's in the East, whether that's anywhere in the world, then there have to be safe havens for all groups to go out there and enjoy football not just select groups. I'm sorry, that probably went a little bit too long, Ali. But the mic is yours. Now it's your chance to have a monologue. I mean, we could
1: speak about this for hours and hours. And we've spoken about Infantino and, you know, more so about, you know, his his African, you know, partner slash puppet in many ways, Patrice Motsepe. You know, we speak a lot more about him because, you know, he's relevant to us on the African continent. And it's, I mean, it is just I th- I think on this podcast and you know especially when we talked about North Africa with with Maher Mazahi we get a lot of good insights into how important a World Cup is for the Arab region for Muslims around the world and how you know for North Africans it will feel like a home tournament because so many Tunisians and Moroccans living in 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 Qatar as well as Egyptians will want to support their their brothers and and you know that's so exciting and that is so true and we want to celebrate that and we also feel you know we want to push against, you know, what a lot of people call is like almost racist, you know, um, presentation of Qatar. You know, one thing that really frustrates me, for instance, is talking about the temperatures in Qatar. You know, yes, Qatar is quite hot right now. Next next year, we're going to be playing in the summer in California, Texas, Florida and Mexico. Like that will be so much hotter than this this in Qatar. But to use that as a stick to beat Qatar, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um and and what Infantino has done here, I think, is 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 shameful, to be honest. It's shameful and, and it, it is horrible to these groups because, you know, for me, as I look at him, when he's saying, oh, I was bullied, I was Italian, you know, moving to Germany, not speaking good German, so I was bullied. For me, I think, you know, for people coming from these places of, you know, abused, you know, from your perspective in South Africa, people coming from an apartheid perspective and you know, segregation that 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 we lived, that many people lived under. For me, if when you endure that, you have that empathy for people for their struggle, and you also are aware that their struggle is different from your own, and that you you know you want to celebrate the the fact that they're fighting for their freedom, for their struggle, you know, and there there is kind of camar- camaraderie there. But for for him to say these things, is just I'm at almost at a loss of loss for words. It's it's just incredibly. Horrible thing to say about these groups, and it's you know it's it's saying, you know I'm particularly saying you know I'm African. Why are you saying you're African? You know why are you bring why are you bringing Africa into this?
0: It's it's this again. I, I always think who is the message for in these instances, and at the end of the day, I don't think he cares about people like me and you in the media. I don't think he necessarily cares about the fans. He cares about the presidents who will vote for him, and that's where. His predecessor, Sepp Blatter, Blatter's predecessor, Zhao Havalange, was so successful. They Mm -hmm. spoke to the base. And we've seen it in politics all over the world. Um, Mm -hmm. Donald Trump in the United States um, was very successful at talking to his base. Boris Johnson in the United Kingdom, very successful at talking to their base. So sometimes the messages are not for us. And sometimes scolding the media, lecturing the media, Putting these pseudo-arguments there make you look like somebody who is smart and standing up. Um, and don't get me wrong, I mean, you and I have spoken about the double standard that Europe has with competition in the West. We've spoken about the lazy stereotypes, about having a World Cup in Qatar, whether it's heat, whether it's uh, alcohol consumption, um, whether it's it's travel or whatever it might be, right? But Football does have a role to go into different areas and grow, but they need their process of getting there to be robust mm-hmm. and not corruptible, which we know in the case of Russia and Qatar, they were. The documents are out there, those votes and the amount of people who were bribed and subsequently had to stand down is um again, it's out there. This is all public knowledge for people to see. Um, but um to put an argument of what a there. So you can't criticize Qatar for human rights because what about Europe's past? Well, both can be right. <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
0: Both can be right at the same time. It's not one or the other. Alistair, I've loved sharing the fat with you and listen, for everyone listening out there, let us know what you think. OTW underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching for the On The Whistle podcast. Let us know what you think about Senegal and how they will do Um, without Mane, let us know about which African team will go the furthest. Let us know what you think of Gianni Infantino's monologue. You've heard our hot takes. And honestly, if you've come this far, leave a rating, leave a review. It helps people find the show. It helps it to be very successful. And we love interacting with you. We always describe ourselves as Africa's biggest brain. we want to hear from you. We want to hear your funny stories. We want to hear your jokes. We want to hear your hard questions. We want to hear questions. that Go and make us read encyclopedias and line-up guests. We love doing this show. And without you, our listener out there and viewer, we don't have a community, so we value you. Alistair, let's continue this Christmas season. We're going to be back every week and possibly even sooner. I know that we're going to wrap up each of the African teams after they've played their first games, their second games, and, of course, in the group stages. We certainly wish Cameroon. Ghana, Morocco, Tunisia, and Senegal, all the best in this competition. We will be cheering for you.